What's up everyone? It's your boy Brian's Comics number one and you are listening to the Flashcast on the Earth 2 Crew podcast where we cover the Flash TV series. Just want to start off by saying a big happy birthday to Jesse L. Martin aka L. Joe West. Um, she's gonna come back in one of the later episodes. I think it's episode 15 um, of this season and he's back in action ready to kick ass as Joe West and um, ready to actually pretty much there's gonna be I read on an article somewhere actually where they're gonna explain why he was absent um, So it's gonna be some surprises here and there. So really excited to have him back. I Mean my day's been going pretty good so far. I mean got the salt lamp. um up I mean, I just got back from work Had some pretty good tasting curry um, had a, a protein shake I'm all set and ready to go uh, and all pumped up so, I mean, again, a big shout out to Jesse L. Martin. I mean, happy birthday, bro. Um, hope you're doing really well. Hope you're recovering really well from your injury or his back injury. Because, you know, I don't know if you noticed, though, but if any of you have been following Jesse L. Martin, he actually had a broken, he actually had a hurt back during the summer vacation or summer break. So that's why in several of the um, episodes, you've seen him sitting down. Um, you've seen Joe West sitting down, and that's the reason why. But like I said, he's back and ready to go, ready for action, and he's all set. Now, switching gears here, I wanted to review the episode, um, the latest episode of um, The Flash, um, The Fast and the Furious, which I believe was episode 10, if I'm not mistaken. Um, This was a really interesting episode because initially I thought that it was going to, someone like Barry, or at least Iris, was going to find out um, what, you know, what's been going on with Nora. But I think the person closest to that, surprisingly, was Sherlock, not Sherlock, for those of you Sherlock fans out there, or even Flash fans, it's Sherlock. Sherlock um, Wells actually found out that, um, for some reason, the files on Nora have been deleted according to um, Gideon, which is the artificial intelligence that Future Barry installs in Star Labs. Now, I was going to mention this ending scene, not to spoil it for you though, but for those of you who haven't, actually for those of you who haven't watched the episode, I say you go back and watch the episode because, I mean, it's, it's really huge. Um, that, surprisingly, ironically, this Wells finds out what's been going on. He's the one who finds out the revelation when, in fact, it's usually the other way around. So, little spoiler alert there. But, um, it, actually, the episode, you know, speaking of the Wells, actually, let's go back to, or, you know, the reverse Flash Harrison Wells. It goes, um, actually into the first part where Nora and Thon are actually conversing. And Nora actually questions why, you know, he went off his own way to kill her own grandmother, a.k.a. Barry's mother. And, honestly, the, the thing is, like, you know, Thon explains his reasonings and the fact that he wanted to be the Flash. He, um... Basically, Thawne, you know, the thing about the Reverse Flash is just that he's a fanboy. Okay, <laughs> let's just let's just put it. Let's just let's face it. He's a fanboy. He just wants to be like the Flash, but he can't be like the Flash. So that's why he he is the way he is. He goes back in time, runs back in time to kill Barry's mother, and unwittingly, he actually did create the Flash. Funny enough, and this is just all because of a of an angry fanboy. Which, you know, leads me to believe that, you know, it might be a little bit of a controversial statement, though, but a part of me believes that, in a sense, um, Reverse Flash is actually the father of the Flash, if you really think about it. 
Because, I mean, the Flash was birthed out of that. That's when the Flash was actually born. He wasn't really fully born until, of course, until Barry got, you know, shocked by lightning and doused with several chemicals. But I want to say that the Flash was really born when, or the Flash actually started to become, you know, started to actually come about as soon as um, Barry's mother died. That was the birth of the Flash, just like Batman, you know, witnessing the the murder of his parents or Bruce Wayne and just, you know, witnessing the birth of his, um, witnessing the death of his parents being shot by Joe, Joe chill. And that's when the Batman was born. And that's why some people actually, one time I watched a video on that and I think I was on YouTube and a commenter said that someone commented saying that Joe chill, the true father of Batman, which is kind of chilling, but in a sense it makes, a, it makes a whole lot of sense. But going back to Nora and Thon's relationship, you can kind of see that, you know, there's a similar dynamic between those two. It's kind of similar to the dynamic that Barry and Thon had in season one. I mean, this guy, you know, basically teached her everything about the Speed Force, just like he taught Barry everything about the Speed Force. And saying that, you know, I've given you a gift. I've given you the ability to run back in time to go see your father. Well, I mean, what more do you want from me? And basically Nora just tells him flat out, you know what, I don't trust you. Um, I, I mean, I don't trust you anymore. I mean, I found out after finding out what you did. And she's pretty hurt, and understandably so. Because, I mean, who knows? He probably, you know, she probably knew about him, though, but not to the point where she, you know, where she knew that he killed her grandmother. She probably didn't know that until she witnessed, you know, she actually was told by Barry so I thought that was pretty interesting, um, the seeing how there's that whole dynamic and that you know it's almost like a love and hate kind of thing. I mean they can't with the Barry and with the Flash and the Reverse Flash, it's just they can't live without one another. It's crazy. It's like Batman, Joker, you know they it's like light and dark side. They can't live without one another. So I really thought that was a interesting, really interesting dynamic that they had together going. And so basically, um, switching gears here, um, we go back to the present time and Cisco is actually planning on, and this, this really surprised me. He's actually planning on making a metahuman cure after he was healed by Caitlin, officially healed and back to, you know, working buyback, you know, back to working vibe mode, but he has a bit of an epiphany and he wants to create this metahuman cure. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that I mean, seemingly Cicada probably got to his head and he just doesn't, just doesn't want to have any, he doesn't want to be in danger anymore. He just enjoys being himself, tinkering, being Cisco Ramon rather than Vibe. But Caitlin is actually initially against this. Um, and she says that, well, there's some people who may not feel the same way. Um, to actually give them a cure against their own will is just a no-no. And later on in the episode, you see Cisco is almost working on a cure. He's almost actually done to completing it, but then Caitlin actually, or Killer Frost, I should say, blasts it away. And says, so "What are you doing? I mean, this is nuts." But then Cisco just shuts her out and says, "That you know what? Fine. I mean, <laughs> have it your way. But you know, I still believe that I want. To, I just want to be. I just want to live a normal life. I don't want to have anyone breathing down my neck or being in danger anymore. I want to have a family." 
But Caitlin actually also argues that, you know, even as a metahuman, you can still have a family. Look at Barry. And she was, and he was like, well, I wanted to be the Flash, so I can't be the Flash. That's what, that's what Cisco says to her. So he just, you know, it, it just completely, you know, there's this rift against him involving this um, metahuman cure. But to fast forward a little bit in that, um, in that whole arc... I mean, they eventually come to grip, come to an agreement that, okay, we'll make, you know, Caitlin actually says, okay, I'll help you make the cure though, but you got to promise me that we're not going to force it on people. You know I mean? We can't, we can't do that. That's, that goes against, you know, that's just, that's just a no, no. And I can see her point of view too in that, because there's some metahumans who may, who may want, don't want to have their powers and believe that they can use it from good. But then there's others who, you know, like Cisco too, who will probably be like, well, okay, yeah, I, I would like to get rid of these powers. And when it comes to the metahuman cure, um, I feel like it could be a good idea, but it can also be, it can also backfire too. And the good idea is, I, let me explain this. The good idea I would say is because, well, obviously there's some really bad crooks out there. I mean, there's some really bad metahumans out there, I should say, who would wreck havoc wreck havoc on central city and it'll be really hard for the flash to contain so i mean the metahuman cure could actually be a quick fix and it could actually really you know help help out team flash immensely but now there's a really good chance that it could very well backfire and i say that because well number one i mean now that i even think about it i mean team flash could actually be viewed as the hypocrites here because they themselves i mean about most of their membership is metahuman and many people will be like, well, you're curing all these all these metahumans. That's good and all, though, but how about you? How come you're not curing yourself? I mean, question mark, right? And I think another reason why it could really backfire, too, is because what if Cicada gets his hands on it and starts using it for himself or his ally that works at the hospital? I forgot her name, actually, though, but she very well could get her hands on it. And I think with Cicada, as opposed to the fact that he wants to kill metahumans or be the you know, as Ralph Dibney calls him, the metahuman Jack the Ripper, or I think it was Ralph Dibney or Cisco, one of them did. His um ally in the hospital, the doctor, could just use it, you know, pretty much like Cisco wants to use it, just to cure people and get rid of the whole what she sees as a metahuman plague. Because after all, as a doctor, she has a Hippocratic oath to not kill. I mean, I might not be a doctor though, but that's a lot of doctors carry on that oath is to preserve life and to cure. That's a Hippocratic oath to never take a life. So, I mean, that's going to, I mean, I really would like, love to see how that metahuman cure is going to play out. I mean, especially when Cisco and Caitlin get closer and closer to actually developing a cure. Um, right now they're using her father's old um, hideout in the Arctic to actually do all this. So going to be really interesting. Now moving on to the central villain of this uh, of this episode, uh, the Silver Ghost. Um, yeah, her name is the Silver Ghost. Now, the little background on the Silver Ghost in the comics, the Silver Ghost is actually a guy, and he's from Earth Ten, where the Nazis won World War Two. Now that's a reality that, thank God Almighty, I do not, or I do not live in, or we do not live in, because man. I do not like Nazis, okay? <laughs> no freaking way. And, you know, thank God that this one's not a Nazi. So this one's actually a female, and she's a former Air Force um, officer who actually got dishonorably discharged for 
doing something. I mean, I forget what it was, so but basically it took um Iris's journalism journalistic wit to actually get the files on this weather witch who's actually her name is Raya Van Zant, I think is how you pronounce it. Because the one from the comics his name is Raphael Van Zant. And he's a Nazi, but this one is a actually an Air For a former Air Force officer turned criminal. So we actually see Raya use um we actually see her steal a car and she uses a fob that not so surprising that was made from meta like they call Metatech, um the same as Cicada's dagger. And this fob actually can can actually steal any kind of um car or machinery. So she she uses it to steal a car and when Cecile returns to the court and is in the middle of actually prosecuting Weather Witch, um, Barry and Nora actually decide to go after um, Raya, and Barry hits a little hiccup on the way because Raya uses her metahuman tech to, or a barrier actually, to shield herself and her car. She uses the fob, and Barry all of a sudden hits it, and in the end, he can't really stop um, phasing because he's trying to phase in her car to like grab her, but. Thanks to the fob, he can't stop phasing, so they have to contain him into the Star Labs prison. And then it's all up to Nora to actually to actually be the hero of the of that episode. And to track down this some silver ghost. So speaking of Silver Ghost, um she's actually trying to um recruit the Weather Witch to um steal a prototype which actually later turns on to be turns out to be a car from Wayne Tech, which I thought was really interesting because you know I for, I initially thought it was going to be the Batmobile, or at least maybe that was a tongue in cheek reference. I don't know. Now speaking of Weather Witch, um, it's really interesting that with Jocelyn Jackham, that's a Weather Witch's name, how um, she just feels this sense of guilt and that she doesn't want to be like her father, the Weather Wizard. And Cecile senses that, and she is willing to actually give her a lighter sentence because she understands that you know she she knew she messed up, she knew she effed up and all that, and she wants to give her a lighter sentence. But Nora throws the book and says, "You know what? No, uh, uh-uh. uh, she 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 did some bad stuff. I witnessed it. She deserves to be locked up. I don't care. Goodbye." And um, you can actually tell that Nora feels some kind of way because her experience with the reverse flash, she doesn't trust any criminal. She's like, you know what? Bad guys, you know I mean? They deserve to be locked up. I'm sorry. I don't believe in second chances. But it's not until Iris and Barry talk her into seeing the best in people. And even Barry told her that, yes, even Thawne someday hopefully will change and see the error of his ways. So which I think leads um, Nora to actually reluctantly at first working with Weather Witch to actually get her to listen to her and even when Weather Witch goes along with um, Raya's plan because she eventually breaks her out of prison uh, despite after turning herself in she breaks her out and they steal the Wayne Tech car you know the proto Batmobile I like to call it um yeah I think she actually I know in the scene you see this one scene where she has a change of heart at first um Nora thought, you know, Killer Frost actually paved the road with um, ice to actually capture Rhea, but it turns out that it wasn't Killer Frost. It actually turned out to be, um, it turned out to be Weather Witch, and then basically very poetically tells her, you know, looks like you got your own Leonard Snart, because Leonard Snart, you know, if you remember, Captain Cold was the same way. He was a criminal who actually allied with Barry eventually, even though he's a kind of like a friend to me, if you will. 
and eventually joined the Legends of Tomorrow and died a hero. So, I mean, a lot of parallels from season... You know, th those are the two parallels I feel like I saw from season one. It's just a dynamic between Barry and Thawne, how it um, compares to Nora and Thawne, and the dynamic between Barry and Snart, and how it compares to Nora and Weatherwitch. So, I mean, really, you know, there's just a whole lot of um, similar dynamics there. But now going back to that um, ending scene where Shulok finds out about... He just he he goes to the um the vault where the original Wells um or aka Ebarthon um went to you know do his make his plants meditate or whatever he whatever he did on his spare time around that time. Um Sherlock actually finds out that Nora deleted some of the files on her and he starts to scratch his chin. He's like, huh, this is interesting. Very interesting. You know, I mean, you have, he has that look on his face, like something's up, something's fishy. Why would not Nora West Allen delete all her files on her in the Star Labs? And not to mention that he's been cracking down the Speed Force language code and all that stuff. Like anything, like whatever a good, anything that a good detective would do, right? So I thought it was just really, you know, that right there was like, okay, now something's really fishy. Either A, Nora's being manipulated, or she's not who she says it she is. Like, some people in the Flash, I'm just saying, I'm putting it out there right now. Like, with, you know, you saw it with, you know, in the first season, you saw it with um, Harrison Wells, Earth One, a.k.a. E. Barthon, who wasn't really Harrison Wells. I mean, he took on the original Harrison Wells' appearance, if you've seen that scene. Really gross scene. But, and you see it with... Um, Hunter Zolomon, who was posing as Jay Garrick, but actually turned out to be Zoom. And then you've seen it again with um, Savitar, you know, being an evil, twisted, effed up version of Barry. So, I mean, we're, it's kind of going back to that again, in a sense. But, you know, I mean, whoever, you know, Nora says she is, I mean, who knows? She could very well be like a, I don't know, like, it's just either A, she's a doppelganger or doppelganger somehow, or B, she's being... From what I, I want to believe that she's being manipulated by the reverse flash because Nora's pretty naive. I mean, she doesn't quite know the ins and outs quite yet of like dealing with a supervillain. So, I mean, of course, she's probably being manipulated and controlled. And maybe that's why future Iris was so adamant on dampening her powers. You know, because she was afraid that that would happen. That somehow Nora would find out that she does, like her father, have the speed force and... Would probably try something crazy like run back. I don't know, like run back in time and <laughs> change history, so that way she could see her father again. And this is what future Iris is like. Oh God, no! And future Iris must probably must be fuming right now. And I probably, as a parent, wouldn't blame her in that regard because it's like you don't get it, kiddo. Like you know, your father did the same exact thing by running back in time to save his mom, and he created a little something called Flashpoint and. <laughs> That was no fun. So, I mean, I think it's just going to be pretty interesting to, you know, see when they they actually find out that Nora, after all this time, has been working with Thon. And I can guarantee you, probably, Sherlock is going to be like, well, yeah, you know, I mean, I think you might want to you know, keep an eye on her because she deleted your files. And, yeah, she might, you know, you might want to ask her why she did that. So... I mean, that wraps it up for the Flashcasts. Um, remember, um, you can always follow me on Brian's Comics um, underscore number one. 
um, on my Twitter page. Um, and I just post some, some stuff about The Flash and other stuff too. Um, as I said before, I'm playing a, another podcast in the future called um, Comic um, Character Profiles, where I go into detail about comic book go into details about comic book characters that I find really appealing or that I've read about and probably do some research here and there just to give you my opinion on these characters. You might even see some characters from manga or Star Wars or, you know, any other character that I come across and I feel is really appealing and really interesting. Um, it's a really exciting project that I'm going to do. Um, I, I spoke to, I kind of, um, kind of, you know, got the idea when Jay told me that I'm kind of like a comic book profiler, so I I thought, you know, maybe I'd give it a shot, but we shall see. Otherwise, I mean, remember everyone, I mean, it's going to, you know, it's going to be an exciting, I mean, again, the sixth season's really exciting. I shouldn't say remember. I'm mumbling again, but hey, it's all in the name of fun. But I would say this, remember, you know, Flashcasters, I mean, like, you know, Wells telling run, Barry, run, run, Flashcasters, run. I'll see you later, and thank you very much for listening. Peace. What's up, y'all? You are listening to the Comic Book and Science Fiction Character Profiles, the podcast And I am your host, Brian's Comics One. Now, you probably know me from my other podcasts with the Earth 2 crew, where I cover the Flash TV series. And we just go over the episode and what was about, what we found appealing, and what we found really interesting. Really good episode. I would, I would check, I mean, really good podcast series. I would check it out on Earth 2 podcasts um, that I usually do with my buddy Jay. And speaking of podcasts, um, the reason why, um, for this first episode, um, I'm going to go over like what this podcast is all about and why I'm decided to do it. So basically the idea for this um, podcast really started when Jay and I were uh, on our very first episode of The Flash where we just talked about the motivations behind characters, heroes and villains alike. And he kind of called me uh, sort of a comic book profiler, which I found really cool and I thought was really interesting. Um, But yeah, so that's where I got the idea of doing this podcast from. And I thought, you know, shoot, maybe, you know, I should um, give this a shot. So thanks, kudos to Jay for giving me this idea. <laughs> so um, what this podcast is about is just that it's about uh, obviously characters in comics, graphic novels, ma- manga or manga, however you want to pronounce it, novels, TV, and anime. So basically what we're going to do in this podcast, well, what I would do is that we'll, I will explore what the character is all about, the history behind the character, and why he or she is so appealing. In future episodes, I plan on having a guest or two to discuss the characters being covered, or character being covered. So, I mean, it's going to be a really cool, I mean, I I think it's a really cool way to um, just bring some depth, more, you know, insight into the characters that we know and love and the characters that we read about on our, just on our everyday and or the characters that we even watch. I mean, I was even thinking about doing TV characters also, as I mentioned before. So I think it'd be really, I mean, I think it's just going to be a really cool podcast where we can all discuss why we like these characters. I mean, what we find so, again, what we find so appealing about them. Just to bring, you know, just to, yeah, just to bring insight. I mean, kind of mumbling a little bit here, but I mean, yeah, so it's going to be a really fun podcast.
So, I mean, in this podcast today, in this first episode, I'm planning on discussing a certain a manga character that I actually find really awesome. Um, his name is Captain Ken, and actually, there's a he comes from a manga called Captain Ken. He's a titular character, and he was made by Osama Tezuka. And basically, the story about of Captain Ken is about this kid who journeys to Mars, this mysterious kid who actually has superhuman strength, and he journeys to Mars in the future. Now, the Mars in this um, storyline is more based on the American Wild West. Basically, it was colonized by the humans. I mean, in the story, it starts off with the Americans colonizing Mars, but then basically meeting the Martians who actually welcomed them, but then they basically killed them and enslaved them into these camps. So... It's a bit of a, a wild we- a western, but a space western almost. So r- really interesting story. And so really interesting stories where pit stop humans as, you know, kind of like the cowboys and the Martians, kind of like the Native Americans or the Indians. And it's really interesting, too, because the setting is almost looks like the Wild West because they wanted to make Mars that way to look like the Wild West. They started dressing them in cowboy clothes and they rode mechanical horses since real horses couldn't take the Martian atmosphere or the atmosphere on Mars. And it's just a really interesting story, I thought. And so we're going to go on break right now um, to discuss more Captain Ken and what it's really all about. And just to, again, go over um, his creator, um, Osama Tezuka, who is actually the godfather of anime, um, and also just his story and his journey to Mars, um, what he stands for, and who he actually reminds me of, and what he actually taught me. So we're going to go over that after this break. So stay tuned. What's up all? You are listening to the comic book and science fiction character profiles podcast on the Boy Wanda Press, and I am your host, Brian's Comics underscore one. And today is a debut, uh, debut of the comic book and science fiction characters profiles podcast i'm really excited to be doing this project and or this podcast and this podcast um i will discuss um characters in comics graphic novels manga novels tv or anime and we'll just explore what that character is all about including the history behind the character and why he or she is so appealing and in future episodes i plan on having a guest or two to discuss the characters being covered I'm really excited about this project because um, the idea came to me when I was doing the um, podcast on Earth 2 um, that covers the TV show The Flash with Jay from the Earth 2 podcast. Um, really awesome podcast. You should definitely give it a listen. And I remember in the very first episode, we were discussing the motivations behind each um, of the characters are on heroes and villains alike. And... Jay just said that it seems like I'm a comp, I'm kind of like a character profiler um, when I re- discuss these characters and all that, and I thought that was pretty cool. So that's where the idea from this podcast actually came up. So I decided to actually give this a shot, and here we are. So um, in in fu- in the future, I mean, I'm gra- I'm planning to like kind of rotate it because um, I plan to ro- I plan to you know hopefully incorporate themes into my podcast whether depending on the month or even of the supposedly geek holidays that we have coming up like probably on may the 4th um be with you we might have we could discuss a star wars character um or 
say like in even on a Batman day, we might discuss Batman um, or maybe a character related to Batman. So, I mean, it'll, it'll be a pretty much um, more of a themed um, podcast as we go along in the future. So in, um, in this podcast, I'm actually planning on discussing um, a character by the name of Captain Ken. Now, Captain Ken is a manga character that was created by Osamu Tezuka and who is actually the godfather of anime. And basically with Osamu Tezuka, um, he was in, basically, he was um, a former med student who actually was stayed on becoming a doctor, but um, ultimately he decided he wanted to become an animator and create comics. And his known works were Astro Boy, Phoenix, Jungle Emperor, Blackjack, Buddha, and Princess Knight. So a little bit on Osama Tezuka, he was born on March the 11th of 1928 in Toyonaka, Osaka, Japan. He graduated, like I said, with a med degree from Osaka University, and he was originally stated to become a doctor, but again, he devoted most of his time to animation and comics and anime, and did most of his work. So unfortunately, um, he died on February the 9th of 1989 due to stomach cancer, and a museum was opened in his honor in February of 1994 in Takarazuka, where he was actually raised as a kid. And this is all according to the Tezuka English site, which you can actually check out on the, um, I want to say it's, um, I forgot what the site's name was, though, but there is a site dedicated to him in English. So a little more on his works or on how he actually works. Osama Tezuka has a really interesting um, system known as the star system, which he has a roster of these reoccurring cast members in his comics or his universe, and notable characters seen in his works like Astro Boy and in Captain Ken, which we're going to discuss pretty soon, um, are Lamp, which is usually a, a villain, and sometimes he's seen wearing glasses, where in the case of Captain Ken, he's seen wearing an eye patch. Um, Hameg, um, which in Captain Ken, he was a Martian mining facility manager. Rock Holmes, he was um, one of the um, secondary characters by the name of Momaru, Mamoru Hoshino. And then, of course, there's the random Hayu Tanksugi, which is kind of like a pig-like humanoid character, which for some reason always breaks fourth wall. It's a really, um, you see in one of um, his works, especially in Captain Ken, and he just breaks fourth wall and talks about the story in science. This puff of smoke just comes out of his little snout, which is really, again, really hilarious. So yeah, like I said, some of these characters do um, reoccur in some of Tezuka's works. Um, I thought, you know, I thought that was pretty interesting that he has that star system. So it's almost like stars that occur in his um, comics, but our comics, you know, star characters, and they just reoccur in most of his works. So um, we're going to go over a, a break, and when we get back, we're going to be discussing um, Captain Ken and what he's all about, um, including the plot of the story of Captain Ken, how he came to be, and just um, basically... What he, what he, um, so basically, sorry, I'm kind of mumbling a little bit here though, but his story and his journey to Mars, um, what he stands for, who he actually is and who he reminds me of, and actually what he, what he taught me. So we're going to go over that after this break. Stay tuned and you don't want to miss this.